Welcome to Dad Factors, and today on the show we have Wayne Reed. He is an IT director, excuse me, director of IT infrastructure, which is the what? Is, what did non-developers? He he's in, in charge of the non-developers. Non-development side, yeah. Uh, that's his. What he currently does. He's had a. a he's worked for engineering companies. He's uh, had a home business with what was telecommunications and yeah, consulting and. Um, yeah. On the IT side of telecommunications, mm-hmm. consulting. Interesting. Very interesting to talk to. Uh, Has a daughter. She's 17. Into water polo. Married. Um, very fascinating to talk to somebody that I don't know anything about like what their job actually is. Yeah. Had a very good quote, right? He, yeah. he gave us a quote. Yep. Has a quote uh, inside the, the episode. So today you would get a bonus because we have another one. Right. Another quote inside the episode. Yeah. And on that note, the quote of the day is comes to us from one of the guys on Shark Tank. Kevin O'Leary. Yep. And he said, a salary is something that they give you when they want you to forget about your dreams. Wrong. What did he say? <laughs> a salary is the drug they give you ah. when they want you to forget about your dreams. I said something. That's not yeah. totally incorrect. But it was incorrect. Yeah. So, yeah, salary is the drug they give you when they want you to forget about your dreams. That's That yeah. hits hard. Yeah. I mean, he goes on to say, you know, that salary employees are needed. Um, but it's uh, it puts you in that comfort zone. And, and it ties well into this episode because we talked to Wayne about um, – how difficult it is to run your own business, how you can turn it off essentially um, if you work for someone else. Like, you know, the clock turns off, you get off work, and you don't have to really think about it. Of course, that depends on the job that you're in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you own your own business and stuff, uh, you can't turn it off. Right. You lay there in bed and think about, well, well, how yeah. can I improve I mean, this and how can I do that better? Yeah, 9 o'clock at night, you're still trying to get stuff done. You know, it has to get done, otherwise you fail mm. so yeah. yeah let's start the show if you live in the quarter lane slash spokane area and you need your windows cleaned give brandon's window cleaning a call they offer window cleaning service pressure washing rain gutter cleaning and roof moss removal Brandon's Window Cleaning does a great job, and they can be found at brandonswindows.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-W-I-N-D-O-W-S dot com. And while you're getting your windows cleaned, you, you have should yourself sit down. a beer. Yeah, relax with a nice cold one from Wallace Brewing Company. Wallace Brewing Company has the finest craft beers that I've ever tasted. I drink it, I give it to my guests on the show, and they love it. They have the Vindicator IPA the 660 India-style pale lager, the select lager, the 1910 black lager, and my personal favorite, the red light. They got this brewmaster jack up there. Dude knows what he's doing. Yeah, puts his stuff together, and it tastes fantastic. Next time you're at the grocery store, pick yourself up a six-pack. You will not be disappointed. And as always, Wallace Brewing Company reminds you to drink responsibly. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, there are a number of ways you can help us out. First, you can give us a five-star rating. Next, you can give us a comment, which is a main way the ranking algorithm works in podcasts. So is that like the rating and the comment? Yeah, yeah that would be the way it works both, out. Absolutely. Like both of them together? Yeah, combo okay. package I'm just if checking, you could. If know. you could, yeah. Um, and both of, those, both of those help us reach more people. Lastly, if you'd like to buy us a beer, there's a way for you to do that as well. You can go to anchor.com slash dadfactors and click the support link. Now, there you can buy us uh, some cheap beer or you can buy us some restaurant-level beer. But either way, we appreciate you listening to the show. So, Wayne, tell me a little bit about where you came from and how it is you came to live where you currently live today. Sure. Um, well, I was born in Andover, Massachusetts. Um, we lived there until I was like five years old. My dad wanted to live on a farm, so we moved out to a small town called Lindenburg, which is kind of towards central northern Massachusetts, and lived there. We we only had an acre, but we were surrounded by farmland and woods and stuff. And the farm the farm that owned most of the land around us was a dairy farm. They let us roam around and stuff. So that was all cool, lived in that small town. Um, 
my dad died when I was eight. Um, and we stayed there another few years, and I think I was 12, and we just decided, weren't in the military or anything, we just decided to move to California. We had some friends there and thought it would be fun to go live in California near them. So we picked up and moved in time for me to go to junior high and high school in California. So I kind of, it's almost like I had two childhoods, right? The, the woodsy one and then the, 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 California, the Southern California sunshine one. Nice. Um, by the time we did that, it was just like me and my little brother and one of my sisters that there were five of us total that, um, that moved to California. The other two were older. And, um, and then when I was 18, I, didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself or, or life. I hadn't made any big decisions, but um, <clears throat> I knew no one could support me. So I, you know, there were a lot of people. Do I join the army? Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. What was your what was and, your MOS? Uh, so when I went in, I wanted, I, I thought I wanted to go into law enforcement. I, I don't know, read a bunch of stuff. I thought maybe someday after college I'll go into the FBI or something. So I signed up. I, I did the um, <clears throat> the early. Sign up when when I was seventeen and a half, and I and uh, when I when I actually showed up on after the summer to to uh, to get my all my physical and all that stuff, they said I had a color deficiency, a red green deficiency, and I couldn't be an MP. Oh, no. uh, but I could do any other job I wanted in the army because I scored high enough. So I thought, okay. Um, and I looked around for a few minutes, and I decided, well, I'll be one of these legal specialists. That's kind of like a paralegal, okay. and I won't be digging ditches, <laughs> and uh, and that's somewhat associated with the law right and so after school you know after 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 the army i'll go to college and i'll still get into law enforcement in some way um so i did that and it was kind of a cool job i still did get out to the field a lot and dig ditches and all that but uh it was because you know it was an interesting job i had a lot of great experiences in the army i did decide that the army really wasn't for me though i didn't want to stay in how long how long did you serve for yeah, three years. Okay. Um, that was, it was a three-year tour. I actually got out a little bit early. It was kind of interesting. Um, I'm going to date myself a little. So I, I got out um, I got out in June of 87, uh, and like a month later, um, or August 2nd specifically, uh, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait. And so they stopped letting people out of the army and sent, <laughs> sent everyone off to Iraq, <laughs> right? So I just missed that whole thing. But I was in the Army Reserve. I had signed on for the Army Reserve, so I did a bunch of uh, short tours in the Reserve just in Southern California helping deploy soldiers. I ended up working in, in a legal office. So I, um, so I did five years in the Reserve, and, and that was kind of also cool experiences. I, um, and then I just decided, I, you know, I was kind of done with it. I didn't like all the politics that are involved. And besides, I finally had a good job by then, so or a decent job, so I, I didn't need the extra money that you get for that one week in a month, and I decided I really kind of just wanted some more time off. Um, um, I'll also say, when I got out of the Army, I went back to Southern California, and basically all my family had all gone back to the Northeast, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> where did you go? Where were you stationed in the Army? Um, I went to the exotic land of Texas, and I, and I was stationed <laughs> at Fort Hood. Oh, Fort Hood. <laughs> Super exotic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what, yeah. uh, you just like California? I mean, if your family, they headed back to the East Coast? Yeah, uh, yeah I just felt like Southern California was home. I, honestly, it's humidity that I hate. Yeah. You know, when you think about the Southern California weather, it's, I think anywhere east of the Rockies would probably be good for me, but <laughs> I, I really just hated the humidity of Texas everywhere I went in the South and the Northeast. It's really bad in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just like dry air, so that's kind of why I stuck with it all this time. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the weather in California is probably the, I mean, it's got to be the closest to perfect that I've found. I Especially mean, down there around that L.A. area and stuff. Well, yeah, yeah like Santa Barbara mm-hmm. and stuff, yeah, like 70 degrees year-round, yeah. basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, what was your uh, job when you got out of the Army Reserve? So when I got out of the Army Reserve, when I got out of the Army active duty, I, I I found it really tough to get a job. In in one of I think one of the shocks when you get out of the military is whatever your job in the military was, you were entrusted with stuff at whatever age you went to the you, you go to the training, they give you a job, you do it and everyone trusts you. You mm-hmm. just do it. And I got out in the civilian world and I couldn't get a decent job for a while. And I would go interview with great confidence for jobs that I thought I was more than qualified for and they would treat me like I was an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so um I ended up doing a lot of temp work. So when I was in the army, one of the, um, and again, this kind of, you know, 
this was, you know, 87 when I went into the Army. Computers weren't really a big part of life back then. But when I got into my active duty um, assignment, I ended up working in a, in a battalion uh, clerk office position. And they had a couple computers, but nobody used them for anything. Huh. And I would describe myself as ambitiously lazy. So I learned how to use the computers and use the word processor and discovered that if I did that, I didn't have to type the same document over and over again. I could save it, make a couple changes, and reprint it, and it would save me a lot of typing time, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool. And I took that, everything I did, I, I soon became the guy in, the, in that section that ever knew how to use the programs on the computer. So if the colonel needed something, uh, some presentation done, they'd say, keep reading, we'll, we'll have him work on this, and, and so on and so on. And uh, I did the same thing when I got out of the Army. I ended up doing a lot of temp work. And I just, anything that had computers, you know, I, I remember once I, I worked on a, a, a Navy station here nearby and they had me, um, organizing and sorting materials in and I created a database for it and that kind of stuff. So basically all my temp jobs revolved around increasing and I, and I just learned everything I could with each job yeah. until finally I got a, hired in an engineering company and learned a bunch there, got more and more into IT type stuff and, uh, that's kind of how I got into this profession. Interesting. How long would you say that you did uh, temp work for before you landed that uh, engineering job? Um, about five, six, yeah, five, five years. So I, I temped for, yeah, around the five years. And during that time, I actually met the woman that became my wife. She actually hired me at one of those <laughs> positions that I worked for like a year and a half at. So that's, that's kind of interesting. That's, that's one of those fun things we always joked about, but, but I had to interview with her twice and got both times got the job. Yeah. <laughs> that's super cool because my wife interviewed at a place that I was working at, and I'd like to think I was instrumental on getting her the job. <laughs> what happened, real quick, sidebar, Wayne, is she brought her resume in. I worked at the American Legion, okay, and I was a bartender, and she brought her resume in, and she gave it to me, and... I said, oh, well, hold on a sec. And I went to go give it to the commander, the guy that made the decisions. And I didn't know she was following me down the hallway. So I get there and I said, hey, Bruce, this gal just dropped this application off. I said, we should hire her. She's really good looking. He says, I could see that. She's standing right behind you. (laughs) (laughs) How can I tell her I have no inner monologue? I like to think I was instrumental in her getting the job. (laughs) That's funny. (sighs) So you interviewed with your wife, and she ended up giving her blessing and hiring you. Uh-huh. As yeah, a, I worked with her for like a year and a half, did some more temp work, and then ended up at, again, this engineering company. And that boss was a, just a great boss. He was an electrical engineer, but he ran a, a, like a, 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 an engineering company that specialized in like uh, gasoline loading racks and stuff. So they did a lot of mechanical engineering and piping uh-huh. and, and stuff. And I learned actually just how to like maintain the phone system there, maintain the computers on the, the, the very primitive networks we used to have back then, but I kept learning. And then at one point he got into computer-based telephones when they became a big deal. And I really started learning about phone systems. Um, and one thing I'll say about IT is, is, and this is probably true of a lot of things in life, I, I would definitely call this like a, a success principle, is you have to learn a lot. I mean, you have to learn a little bit about a lot of things and then a lot about a little bit of things, right? You have to know... <laughs> a lot about some things in life and just a little bit about a whole bunch of other stuff. And so my specialty became um, phone systems and, and, and telecommunications in general. And that ended up leading me into jobs. Like it, it, it was like the differentiator for me. Like we need a guy who can handle our phone system and our computer network. I was like, I'm that guy. And uh, I, 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 I hated phones actually for a while, <laughs> but I kept landing jobs because of that experience. I'm like, well, I'm going to take this job. And uh, I, it paid off for me because a lot of people can't talk about that kind of stuff, and I yeah. can manage it. I can definitely see that. Uh, I think it's Mark Cuban that says, you know, you can be good at a uh, hundred different things, but you need to be really good at one one thing. You need to be really good at that before you start branching off and doing other stuff. Yeah, and it's easy, I think, to fall into the trap of thinking I'm going to be, you know, a little bit good at just about everything. 
but there's a certain way of thinking that I think to, to be successful in certain professions, there's a certain way of thinking, and that is that you really have to deep dive into, into a few things. You have to learn how to do the deep dive. Yeah. If, you're, if you're just a, a novice at everything you do, there's something you're missing about how, how this thing goes together. Yeah, so, I don't know, you can learn a lot about different parts of car, but there's one of those parts, maybe it's a transmission that you really have to know. And that's probably, I'm not a car guy, it's probably a terrible metaphor. <laughs> no. It's probably just a sensor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, you, I think you can translate that to just about any career. Uh, you know, I mean, you look at, you can be a doctor, but most of them specialize in a, in a certain field. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's a that's a great that's a better metaphor I think because even if you're going to specialize in one thing, they still teach you a whole lot of background on medicine, right? Yeah, right. I, I know that much about medicine. Yep, absolutely. So where'd you where'd you go from there from the engineering company? Well, so about then uh, I I stayed friends with uh, Patricia, the woman who became my wife, and uh, over many years and. Eventually, we, we, we discovered there was something more there, and she was running a consulting business. And she, I, I won't go into her history, but she had basically formed her own, uh, tele, uh, I'm sorry, her own biz, her own business around consulting. Um, and it's kind of it is it's right of way. I'm not sure most people don't know what right of way is, but it's basically where law meets real estate. Mm. And if you think of it this way, uh, what a lot of the work she would do is say a telecommunications company wanted to build a new fiber optic line and she would help them with all of the land purchases and the permitting and yada, 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 you have to go through to build that. And so she was building her business was getting more and more successful and we got married. And then finally she said, you know, I really could use some help around here and we could be making a lot more money than you're making in your job. If you could get over here and help me. So I, I quit the job and I went to work for our business. I think at our height we had five people working for us, a couple people in different states doing different projects, and it was really great. It was this, this, the honeymoon of our marriage was a really great time for us because we were making good money doing that. And then there was a thing that happened in 2002 called the telecommunications bus, or <laughs> okay. where basically my, my description of it is everyone was building fiber optics everywhere and suddenly realized there was more than enough. And, and so, like, all the companies that were doing all those telecommunications build-outs, um, like, started going bankrupt like crazy. So mm. we, we, like, lost all of our projects. People that owed us money didn't pay by the tens of thousands. Oh. And we did not know what else to do. We, we got all of our business by word of mouth from, uh, from companies, and we didn't have a backup plan. During that time, if, if things were quiet, I was doing a little bit of networking, IT networking, you know, consulting for small companies. But I, I, I know sales, and I, I didn't know how to get more business than the word of mouth would spread about me. And so we ended up having to close our business. We, um, we, we, we sold our house because we couldn't afford it anymore. We paid off all our debts, you know, and then just both started over with jobs. And that was, that but, you know. Yeah, it, it, it felt rough. I'm, sh I'm sure anyone who's ever seen their business fail, even though we knew, hey, maybe we should have figured out something else we could have been doing, um, it still sucks. You think, you know, it's not like we were doing something wrong. We weren't doing anything immoral or violating business principles. We just didn't know what else to do. Yeah. So we went out and both got jobs and went back into that thing and worked real hard. And in the meantime, had a child. And um, she didn't work for a few years, so that was lean times because we didn't really we didn't really plan it out that way. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of a funny thing um, that people who have children. This is definitely something I've noticed is don't think about what it's going to be like when they have a child. I see this all the time. I'll be talking to someone that's about to have a baby, and I'll say, "So are you going to keep working?" And you say that to the wife. Uh -huh. Oh no, I'll I'll stay home on maternity leave, and then I'll go back to work. Mm. Um, <laughs> Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, who's going to watch your baby while you're working? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my, probably my parents. Uh-huh. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll ask them when I get around to it, when I bring the kid over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how, it's like, it's not a cat, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's kind of funny that way. Um, yeah, my wife did that. Uh, she she was working, and then she, 
just we decided we decided i'm not putting this on her um that she would be stay-at-home mom and she didn't she didn't work again for like 10 years and now she's got her own business from home that she does which is great it's fantastic uh but yeah she you know she just stayed home and raised the kids and she was awesome at it yeah yeah we we kind of lucked out a little bit after um after my daughter was old enough to start in preschool my wife got asked to come back to a company she'd worked for part-time as a consultant hmm. and so the cool thing about working as a consultant is they don't have to pay benefits and all that you pay a higher rate for consultants so she was basically working 20 hours a week making as much as she would have if she worked 40. Oh. So it was perfect for us. And then eventually when my daughter was going to regular school, um, we you know we started paying for after-school care and we both worked for a while. And so that was all good. Um, sometime during that time frame, I, you know, I changed jobs a couple times and ended up at the company I'm at now that I've been at for um, going on 13 years, which you know, it's a long time to be at one place. <laughs> yes. But I... I keep, I keep wanting to prove something to myself, you know, like so I get promoted up. I, I work on a, the next promotion, and, and and I've gotten to where I was trying to be for a while, and um, so that's why I've stuck with it. It's like why change jobs if they're, you know, if I know I'm about to get the next level up, and that's what I'm working for in my career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. So, so uh, now career. Oh, go oh, ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask uh, what job you landed at. Like, uh, you know, what career field are you in? Right, so now I'm I'm a director of IT infrastructure, and so you know we're we're a medium sized enterprise, or um, and so when you get an IT when you get a company that big, you need multiple people in IT with different specialties. I run the team basically that's not developers. We we handle the servers, the networks, all the desktops and laptops and cell phones, the internet connections, and um, just you know whatever the whatever the users touch and whatever runs electricity through it is is kind of my responsibility in the team that works for me and it's it's fun i i love what i do it's 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 why i do it i i sometimes think get stressed and think i should just do something else but i honestly don't know what else i would do i i I have a knack for this kind of stuff and i like it that's awesome um what would you uh, how big is the team that you run so we yeah we, we shrunk a little bit because of uh the business, yeah, business changes yeah. with COVID and all that. Yeah. But I have five people now that report to me. Okay, and it's you know, it's it's enough work that we're 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 bursting. I mean, we're like struggling. We have to cover for each other, you know, running around <laughs> covering each other all the time in our tasks. Huh. I mean, I uh, I I didn't really have any experience with IT. I mean, I I guess my jobs before I started working out of jail was uh in the military. I mean. It was nice to just go to the IT department there. Um, our job now, we only deal with IT when really our phones or our computers break for the most part. Ray's had more right, computers right. break than most people. Yeah, no, We're, it's good, no news is good news. <laughs> no, that's not true. Not true. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. In fact, I, I was just talking to my guy today because I, I didn't know, because they're setting up fiber in our neighborhood, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't, And they ran it to the house the other day. And I didn't know, so what's the next step? I'm like, I called my ID guy. I'm like, dude, what's the next step? Do I need to do something, or are they going to do something, or what's going on? And uh, he explained it to me, and it was really simple, actually. But I had no idea. Yeah. What, uh, did they tell you what you had to do? Yeah, he told me basically that, well, I didn't call the I didn't call the provider. I, yeah. I, he just told me basically what, what you're going to have to do is they'll run it into a box on uh-huh. your side of your house and then they'll run it inside to something else that looks something like this. And he sent me a picture of this thing, I guess, that converts it. it basically, what from what I gather, it takes fiber and makes it so you can plug a Cat6 into it. That's all I know. <laughs> Interesting. So. Interesting. Basically like yeah. a modem. Yeah. It- it's really part of our lives now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah. basically a modem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really don't I, mean, I don't know much about IT at all. I mean, I call when I have a problem. That's that's about it. <laughs> when we need something new. Yeah, I felt like when when people would ask me what I do and I would say I was in IT that the answer was almost like, of course, everyone's in IT. I don't feel that way anymore. I, I feel like it's it's more of a I don't know if it, it got saturated at one point everyone was in IT yeah <laughs> and now it's just 
just the diehards that, um, or whatever, it, or there are enough other jobs out there. I don't know. Suddenly, I feel like I'm meeting everyone who's not in IT. It makes me feel like we, we have a society now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it's definitely a, like a specialized thing. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I don't I don't want to call it like a secret society, but I have no idea what goes on over there. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sure. I mean, but that's normal. That's like a lot of other jobs, yeah. right? I mean, it's, there's lots of things where we don't know what other people in that. Well, that's true. That, I mean, that's that's true. But I mean, say you work for like a government agency, IT knows. I mean, they you IT's involved in your business where you are not necessarily involved in IT's business. Mm-hmm. So they know what you're looking at on the internet while you're at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People always ask me, can with especially with my job position, people say, can you see what I'm doing on the internet? And my answer is kind of, I could see. Trust me, I don't have the time or energy to. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm only looking at what people are doing if there's a reason for me to know it. Yep. <laughs> Just Absolutely. like the police could know where I am right now if they wanted to park a car outside. Yeah. But um, it's, they have no interest in me. I'm not doing anything. Or, right? <laughs> conspiracy theorist mind here, here we go. If they just want to fire you, then they'll start watching you. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, there's there's that. <laughs> so, um, can you tell me about? I've always been curious on consulting. How did uh, your wife go about starting that business? And then, I mean, you came on. Um, was that hard to do? Did she have like a formalized school or or just experience in a career field? She um, she did it the easiest way possible to start consulting which is kind of similar to how I started all my consulting. And the easiest way possible is when there's a demand for it and people start asking you and you go and help them. And next thing you know, there, you know, there's an opportunity to get money for it. So, and this was her own consulting. So this is like any person can be a consultant. All you have to do is find out what you have that someone else is willing to pay for and under, and, and then figure out how to, you know, make the transaction, right? It, it's, it's just, it's just a transaction. So, I'll give you an example for me. Um, I had a lot of experience with telephone systems, and my wife worked for a while for this uh, smallish um, consulting company or company in one area, and they realized that they were opening more branch offices and they needed to get Internet connections and phone systems set up in those offices. And my wife goes, oh, yeah, my husband's really good at that stuff. And they're like, well, will he talk to us? And so I, I said, Sure. And I went and had lunch with them one day. Hey, buy me lunch. We'll talk about it. And I and I kind of gave them an overview of what they were going to need to do. And they like, well, would you help us? Because we have no idea, and we could get taken. And oh. so I just made him. I just said, sure. And I gave him a fixed price. I said, I know about how much work it's going to go into plan internet connections and phone systems and make sure they get installed right at, at these number of five offices or whatever it was. So pay me whatever I asked for. I, I, I didn't need the work. I actually had a job at the time. So I told, I owe like $2,000. Give me $2,000 cash. Uh, I'll, I'll take days off or do whatever and we'll work on, we'll work it out. And I, this is kind of a fun story. I learned at the time and the business has changed a little, but not much. There's still an element of this that when I started calling different phone companies and, and getting quotes for this company, they said, so you don't work for them? And I said, no, I just, they hired me because as a consultant and they said, well, are you a reseller? <laughs> and I found out that that was a whole profession that you could be a telecom reseller. And so um, what ended up happening is they were offering me a commission on the sale. So being an ethical person, I went to the, the people at my wife's company I was meeting with. I said, I just want you to know these guys are offered all of these companies I've talked to have offered me a commission. And the answer was, that's cool. Whichever one you can get a commission, we're not going to, you know. And I said, well, cool. What I'll do is I'll tell you what the commission they offer me at each of those companies is. So you'll know that I don't have an undue, you know, I don't pick the one that's the highest commission mm-hmm. or something like that. And it felt good. And I did. I got an ongoing commission for like three years from that. It was nice, a few hundred bucks a month on top of what I was doing. But so that was an opportunity for me. And I actually did that for an, another company a few years later. But at the time, I was tired of consulting, and I was—I had a good job, and I just wanted to—I just wanted to—I—I'd been doing consulting work for so long and making very little money for a lot of hard work and long hours, <laughs> and I had a good job that was paying me decent money, and I could just support my family. And there's a certain comfort in working for one company for a while and knowing all their systems that I know what to do here. Whereas when you're consulting, doing IT consulting or phone consulting, you're running into a new place every day and solving problems. 
And if that sounded really cool to you, I'll be clear, it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of being, a, 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 you know, a father and a husband, I wanted to provide stability at the time, especially with a small child and having having gone through some rough times financially, I didn't want to rock the boat. Yeah. But I always thought in the back of my mind, I'll go back and do that years from now. I'll build up a customer base of, of telephone, you know, companies need telephone support and, and do that. And who knows, I might do that one day. Yeah. Hmm. If the business doesn't change too much. Yeah. But uh, my, my wife did a, uh, t- you, you asked about my wife and I'll, I'll give you the short version because I'm yakking. But, <laughs> but she kind of did a, she, she had worked, she had gone from an oil company to a telecom company and her knowledge of the oil pipelines, well, first of all, a lot of the principles on, on the land usage and the permitting is the same. But I think at one time she knew where all these oil pipelines that were being abandoned by oil companies were. And she told this telephone company that was putting in new fiber optic and stuff, well, why don't you just buy up this pipeline from this company and you they, they would run basically a honeycomb through an old pipeline and then just run all of And so there's no new – the land was already – had easements and permits and all that kind of stuff. All you had to do was get an additional permit to run fiber optic through the pipeline. So it was like almost like magic. And they were like, this is awesome. Can you do this on our other project too? And then, you know, what happens is people change jobs and, you know, hey, in our last company we did this and this woman, Patricia, knew all this stuff. And and that's kind of how she got demand built up and it was easier. It's like, well, we won't hire you just set up a home office and we'll pay you this much and da, 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 da. And she worked independently and that's how she started her consulting company. And she reached a point where it became big enough. She needed help. And, uh, she got a project in another state and it was easier just to hire somebody in that state to do the work and we bill it for them. And then we would take a, you know, take a commission on top of their pay. And yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how we built the company. That's uh, awesome. Unfortunately, we were too specialized in that specialty dried up and we didn't know how to deal with it. Other companies still do that, but we weren't that big and we weren't that diverse and we weren't, we didn't know how to handle it. So that's why that mm, ended. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. But so, I mean, lots of people have expertise they can do, you, you know, they can take to someone else and offer it. And you, you just have to learn some things about accounting. Like running a business is really tough. <laughs> and one of the things you notice if you're like, like you're, a, we'll just take me because I'm a technologist, right? I, I can walk into a company and do network consulting and phone consulting, but you spend a whole lot of time keeping books and invoicing and then collecting when people don't pay you and paying taxes and if you have any help paying them. And all that stuff is a lot of work on top, and you should probably understand some some principles there about you know like things like accounting and what laws are and yeah. what taxes you're going to end up paying, or else you get you'll get bit if you're just like. Hey, you know, I've been cutting lawns since I was a teenager. Let me start a landscaping business. <laughs> and maybe you can, but make sure you learn a little bit about what you have to be doing so you don't get over over your head. Mm-hmm. So let me, I got to ask you this. It's, I've been dying to ask you this actually since I looked at your LinkedIn profile today and saw what you did for a living. Um, do you, what's the worst thing that you've seen somebody do in, in your IT career? Is there anything that comes to mind that you just go, oh, I remember that guy. God, he was an idiot. <laughs> um, oh, God, every IT guy's got stories. <laughs> um, um, I mean, dumb stuff about damaging their own equipment, wiping their own hard drives and stuff. For some reason, the first thing that popped in my mind was the worst thing I've ever seen an IT guy do. And that was spying on, um, you know, like going through other people's email and stuff. Oh, interesting. And, and, right? And it, it, I, I went to that in my head first. And I can tell you that that's just despicable and it disgusted me. <laughs> and I know in the early, you know, in in the late 90s, maybe, and it was kind of the wild west of IT, you would just do whatever you, you know, was, we were all hackers. Mm-hmm. You know, hackers from the original term, which is you're just plugging away at something, trying to figure it out. That's really where hacking came from. And everyone's a hacker. I used to you know, we used to do war driving. I don't know if you ever heard of this. When you would just go pull up somewhere and see if you could get on their Wi-Fi for free. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> when I was consulting, we didn't have um, USB hotspots or um, there weren't Starbucks everywhere that you go to. And so I would I would spend, you know, 11 hours driving around one day consulting in all these places. And I wanted to go home. But the first thing, I had to turn in all my 
all my paperwork. So I would just pull up in some neighborhood, pick up someone's home Wi-Fi, get on there. I'd have internet <laughs> get on, get with my laptop, send in all my paperwork that way. Um, it's harder to do now. People people know about securing your Wi-Fi and all that. And that's just a simple version. I remember one day I was uh, working on a project in a, in a fast food place. It was actually with the fast food company. And I was sitting in there working on this project late at night. And I'm like, man, I need to get on the internet. And so I connected up to to a, a company nearby. And there's a salesman from my company happened to come in. And he's like, what do you, how do you get internet? And I said, well, I picked it up from one of these stores over here in this in this little mini mall. And he goes, oh, well, do you know which one? And I'm like, I can't really tell. And I said, well, here. And I quickly did a little and, um, you know, guessed what their router was, figured out what, you know, found my IP address, guessed at what the IP address of some computers on the network would be, um, and basically hacked into a computer and figured out what company it was whose computer I'd hacked into because they had no security. And I was like, man, I should print out a little notice on their printer for them saying, dude, you, you're you're a chiropractor's office. You really need to secure your <laughs> network. I can read patient files. But oh, I can... <laughs> wow, that's crazy. <laughs> I never followed up on that, and I feel a little bad that I never did. But I didn't do anything either. I didn't read stuff or print it out or you know, any that kind of stuff. But and that, and that was the Wild West days. You were just seeing what you could figure out how to do. That's how you became good at what you did. I mean, when we all first got on um, cable modems and, and – and, uh, and that kind of stuff, you could just go into your next-door neighbor's computer because their IP address was one off of yours, and nobody knew anything about security back then. And so we used to do that stuff, but not maliciously. Mm-hmm. And then it turned out to be that the malicious people are still called hackers, even though everyone kind of had to act like that way. That's how we learned back then. <laughs> well, in um, the spirit of this conversation, I did just watch uh, uh, the the Matrix movie, the first one last night with my oldest son. <laughs> It was his first time seeing it, and he loved it. <laughs> a little bit of hacking. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> well, it starts out when, I mean, they're hackers, right? Yeah, that's so. true. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, when I lived in Italy, I, uh, bar- I'll say I borrowed someone's Wi-Fi for about three years. <laughs> Some Italian dude. <laughs> Internet over there was super expensive. I got this range extender. It didn't quite reach in my house, so I got this range extender, mounted it underneath my uh, carport, and... <laughs> Managed to borrow Wi-Fi. Kind of funny. <laughs> I know a guy who doesn't have home internet now that uh, that just connects to the Target store near him and uses theirs. Oh, wow. I was thinking about doing that with yeah. my neighbor across the street. <laughs> I think I could guess his password. <laughs> that's that's me. Yeah, I, know, I know you don't know, but yeah, that's me. I live across the street. But um, That's funny. We're, uh, we're going to take a break. Jason and I want to start a quote of the week, and we want your help. If you have a funny, motivating, or otherwise dastardly quote, hit us up at dadfactors at gmail.com. If you want to or know someone who would be an entertaining guest on the show, you can contact us with the same email. That's dadfactors at gmail.com. And we're back. So, Wayne, before the break, you were telling us about your many ventures in IT and and your business that your wife essentially started, and then you went to go help her. You guys had a few employees and stuff, and then it kind of it kind of floundered due to changes in the economy and stuff like that, and people not paying you, which uh-huh. really sucks. Um, yeah. But I, my question is, is uh, if your it's your daughter right your daughter i want to make sure i have that right if your daughter came to you and said and you taught her all this it stuff right she's like dad i want to be a garbage man (laughs) i want to be the person that goes and picks up garbage on the street what would you say to her sure (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) i mean i um I don't do what my parents did, and I don't think that's important. I, so I, I've taught, I've tried to get her interested in IT, but no harder than I tried to get her interested in anything. Mm. And my biggest wish for her as a child would be to see, to try things out and see what she really loves. And I was hoping at all times that she would find something she really loved, because to me it was very important that she understand about hard work and in that light. So life is hard, right? It's hard for everyone. And I think as children, we think 
God, I can't wait to get out of school and then life's going to be easy and I'm going to eat ice cream for every meal and I'm going to have whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. But that's just, it's just not true. Life is hard. It's going to be hard. It's hard for everyone. It's hard for Bill Gates and the Kardashians. It's hard for people who live on, you know, in a, in a mud hut. It just, are you, you know, make, can you make it rewarding for yourself? And so the biggest, I, some of my, I mean, I love doing outdoor work. I like chopping wood or taking down a tree or building something, you know, sometimes for fun, <laughs> even though it's hard, right? It's like, you should learn to, you should learn to find something that's hard that you like just so you learn the rewarding feeling of hard work. So for my daughter, she ended up in water polo and she's, she's 17 now and she ended up in water polo kind of by whim and discovered loves it mm. and she man she comes she comes back from water polo practice and complains about the coach and all this or comes back from a game with a huge scratch and this girl that almost drowned her <laughs> yeah is it true that but they try so to grow out their toenails and she loves it is that true they try yeah. to grow out their toenails so they can scratch each other no no I, they inspect them they inspect yeah, they do their nail nails. checks now really but, yeah but my daughter's a little girl i mean she's not big She's like playing. I'm so proud of her. Like the first time she, she came over to me and she goes, man, that girl, she like, I can't remember what the girl had done, but it was like pushing her under the water and scratch. She had a big scratch. I think it was and I'm like, where'd you get that trash? Oh, this girl, she kind of pushed me under and she scratched me. I'm like, that makes me mad. She goes, oh, where I kicked, I kicked her in the gut. <laughs> and at that moment, I was so proud of her, not because she kicked someone in the gut, but because she stood up for herself mm -hmm. and she wasn't sitting there crying and feeling helpless right i mean we're all helpless sometimes but i it's like she discovered something that's really hard and unpleasant but she loves it anyway and and you know it's like she found herself in there and that's that's really what i want for my daughter and i have no idea what she's going to do with her life she doesn't know yet and at her age i didn't either there was no such thing as it when i was in high school that right. wasn't a profession yet Right. You couldn't go to school. You could go to school for computer program. I took a computer programming class in high school that was like basic language or something. But it, it, none of that, it, almost none of it. Do I, I mean, I guess I do a little bit of coding and it's similar to that. But it, that's not, it became a thing. Like I couldn't have gone to school for it after I got out of the army. It just wasn't there yet. It's a thing I, I grew with. I grew into this profession that became a thing as I, as I did it. And um, so I'm not going to pressure my daughter into doing anything, especially whatever I do. I just hope she knows that life is going to be hard and she's going to have to work hard at, at something. And, and then hopefully she'll find the thing she wants to do. And, and, but I think, I think people, you know, screw themselves over by trying to avoid work so hard. They end up getting nothing out of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, it's bad enough to get screwed out of life by other people, but to get screwed out of it by yourself because you're too lazy. It's like, wow. And, work, and some people work so hard at being lazy, right? They'll work so hard at not doing anything. Absolutely. I agree. Just, just go in there with the attitude that um, I, I, I was just, I'm, I'm trying to set up an office in my garage. I've been working from home mostly and lately. And uh, I had, my buddy came over and helped me. Uh, and we uh, put up insulation and drywall in my garage and getting it all set up. And it looks great. And it's hard work. It, it, to be doing on a day off. And, mm -hmm. and he's like, man, this is fun. You know, <laughs> like having a couple of beers, listening to music and working is a great time. And if you can have a relationship with that, like that with work, then you're, you're, you're going to be okay. I think instead of thinking yourself as a victim of anything that's hard. Hmm. Now I got to ask you, I, so, yeah. I, I have another question that I need, I need to get out. I'll kick myself if I don't. So what's it like, um, working essentially for yourself, right in in the business and stuff and then having to go back and work for somebody else you know what i'm saying yeah because where i work i'm in always going i want to i don't want to work for this dc you know you don't, don't want to work for someone else you want to work for someone yourself. else right mm -hmm. yeah no i get it and, that, and it, it does kind of suck to go back to working for someone else but not as much as you'd think for one thing i think people who have ever had their own business are better employees because they understand value. They understand providing value. They're not, I, I've never like watched the clock when I'm working. I'm constantly like, how can I make this company successful? <laughs> because that's what I was trying to do in my own business. And then the other thing I'll say is when you're in business for yourself, you've got a lot of employees 
and, and, and you're your own boss and you're a jerk because you, you keep making yourself work. Like when we had our company, I never took time off. We had mm-hmm. someone come in. I think, I don't know if it was a, I, 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 it, it was like we had to shut down for plumbing or something. We couldn't be in our office for plumbing or something one day. And so uh, we actually had my brother-in-law working with us and he, he and I just went out and um, played golf that day. And it was like, man, this is my first day off in like nine months. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we worked our butts off working for ourselves. Yeah. And there was it with no, with no, with no health insurance, we had to like pay for our health care out of our own profits, right? Cash basically. And, um, and constantly worrying about payroll and all those kinds of things and, and stressed out about every little thing and where's the next business going to come from and let me collect $40,000 from this company that owes us and all that kind of stuff. So in a way, it's a little relaxing to work for somebody else. It's like, yeah, that's what I, was I don't say. have to worry about your, it. Like, you work your butt off. It, I mean, it seems like you work a lot harder when you work for yourself. Then yeah, it's, uh, it's more can, rewarding. Yeah, but you can turn, but, I mean, but, when you work but, for someone else, you can turn it off. Like you're off work, you're done for the day. But owning your own business yeah. is not that way. Yeah, you can't be done. If your phone rings in the middle of the night and you have your own business, you answer it. Because <laughs> you don't know whether it's more work or a problem you better solve before morning. Or a telemarketer. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, mostly it's them, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, wait. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit I miss of the independence, but I get a lot of the, the you know, it, it's a trade-off. It's definitely a trade-off. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, so where do you currently reside at? So I live in uh, Orange County, California. Oh, okay. And so... Uh, the land of Disneyland. There you go. It's been closed for a little while now. <laughs> yeah. Um, water polo, is that popular where you're at? Yeah, it's, I, I think it seems popular now. It seems like everyone plays it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, of course, we live in North Idaho, you know, and eastern washington it's not very uh i found out that we recently i found out i think it was two days ago i found out that uh we have a water polo team up here it's not something that really yeah it's not something that i thought uh we had but how did your uh how'd your daughter get into that so i i think she's a lot like i was in high school and she's a little bit lazy and the idea of doing pe is awful but she found out, well, if you sign up for a sport, you can do an, another sport instead of PE. In swimming, you're in the water. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be miserable on the 110-degree days. So <laughs> she went to sign up at the beginning of her um, of her freshman year. She went to sign up for, for swim. And they said, well, okay, tryouts are going to be on such and such date. But if you join the water polo team, you don't even need to try out. And so she didn't have a lot of confidence that she was going to make the swim team. So she signed up for water polo. And it, it's kind of funny. The rest is history. She does swim a little reluctantly she loves water polo <laughs> wow so it's kind of great happy accidents right yeah i yeah. mean sometimes you try something and it turns out to be the thing that you really wanted all along right yeah. like i never ended up in the fbi <laughs> <laughs> yeah i that um so what is what is a uh, water polo for those that don't know it's what four quarters is that accurate like four isn't it four seven minutes or yeah something? Seven minutes of treading uh, water nonstop. I don't remember. It's more than a year since I've been to one of the meets, but but yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it really is like treading water the whole time. Yeah. They, they do this thing called egg beating, where they like spin their feet around like egg, from the knee down like egg beaters, and I can't even do it. My daughters tried to teach me, <laughs> but the like the 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 varsity players. I'm seeing these, like, I watched the, the boys' varsity play a game one time after my daughter's game, and this guy's up, like, waist up out of the water yeah. from kicking like that. Holy <laughs> cow. <It's> amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, like a dolphin. <laughs> I'd be lucky yeah. I'm drowned <laughs> doing something like that. <laughs> so I got another question for you. Uh, kids going into IT today, how would you recommend that they go about doing that? So, like, all the young people that work on my team have like gone to school for like IT, but honestly what they teach in school isn't all that useful unless you're going to be a programmer maybe. Um, so it, it, I, I would say you need to, you know, we, it, it, it varies. You need to, you need to, well, you, you need to have the, you need to want to learn. You, you really have to love computers and want to know how to do everything and mess with it and play with it, and then just get yourself into some company in some role. 
right? And, and I never did that because I started out just doing miscellaneous. Like I said, went back in that engineering company where the owner taught me how to maintain the phone system and maintain the computers. He also taught me how to fix the urinal in the men's room. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so nice. that, that's how I started. I started just learning everything, and some of it was computers, and I was good at it. And pretty soon it all came to me. And then my next job, um, there was an opening for someone that had that kind of experience. And that's kind of – I think IT is still at that rate. There is some element of schooling, but I don't, I don't know that that's the way I would recommend anyone do it. And I, I know I've heard you guys on this show talk about it where – you know, a lot of college can be a waste. You, you yeah. go to school and spend tens of thousands to learn how to do something. And then your first day on the job, they go like, oh, God, you think you know something. Forget all that you <laughs> learned in school. Here's, yeah. here's what we do here. Well, it absolutely can be and a I've waste. And I've certainly taken guys, I've taken guys who know just basics about computers, who had a willingness to learn and taught them, turned them into IT guys, like people have turned me into one. And um, in fact, I was having a conversation with a guy um, where he, he was, uh, this This is years ago, where he was like convinced he was the most technically competent person. And I'm like, you know what? Your technical competence is like the third most important element of your job. Uh-huh. And he was angry that I said that. He's like, what could be more important than technical competence? And I'm like, <laughs> number one is your dedication to the company and your job and being a team player. Number two is your willingness to learn. And you are so hooked on your own competence that you're not willing to learn anymore. And you're... <laughs> And, and that's it. So I can take a person who knows very little about computers, start giving them basic stuff to do, like an apprentice, like you would an apprentice in any kind of thing, and turn them into an IT person over time. A lot of it's going to depend on their willingness to learn mm-hmm. and how hard they're going to work at it, and how hungry they are to understand it. Right. You know, and it kind of comes back to, especially in IT, if, if a person's not willing to learn, because it's constantly evolving. Mm. You know, as the yes. new technology comes out and stuff, it's constantly evolving. And if you're not, if you're not willing to learn new things in a profession like that, you're done. <laughs> you're gonna phase yourself out. Yeah. Absolutely, I, I say that I learn for a living. Right. I mean, that's that's what I do. I learn new things for a living. Every almost every day, I'm re- um, one of my biggest advantages. I think is I'm a fantastic reader, and I've been doing this since you had to pick up the manual to learn stuff. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, in in and I got, you know, I got that from my childhood. I, I read all the time. I read everything I could get my hands on, um, especially on boring days in the small town. Uh, <laughs> I played in the woods every day for the past three weeks. I'm going to just sit here and read something today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so that's a great thing too. Just 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 soak in knowledge. And and that was one thing I've always done in my jobs, even when before I was in IT, is I would soak in every bit of knowledge everywhere I went, because you never knew what was going to turn into the next useful thing to get you a raise get you to move up or something like that and i would definitely encourage anyone to do that anywhere they are don't don't just show up you know <laughs> every job i had my first my first job at a mcdonald's i i would sit there on my break and watch these little training videos they had um about how to do the shake machine and how to do the fry station and how to do this and that and then one day someone say hey i need someone to take over the fry machine hey i i watched that video <laughs> and they would put <laughs> and that kind of stuff just learn and soak up knowledge and then and try stuff, and then eventually you find what you know. You find your advantage. You find what you're good at. What what people want you to do. What they're willing to pay for. Hmm. That's that's good anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. So in IT, um, say I'm a high school kid. I've taken a couple of computer classes in high school, and then I've watched a bunch of YouTube videos, and then I came to you looking for a job. Is there what are you looking for specifically? Other than I mean, I know you already said like a willingness to learn and you know dedicated to the company. Is there anything in specific specific that you're looking for, like in a in a total rookie, certifications wise, or anything yeah. like that? Um, yeah, if if I was just starting someone out at help desk, um, yeah, really, it, be, because of the the nature of people wanting to get into the job, we usually get to pe- people with some experience and and some knowledge. You know, yeah. you, you get to, you get to be a little picky, but if I was desperate for somebody or wasn't liking anything I was seeing on resumes, um, I would want them to, I would want some evidence that they knew some basics, right? Or yeah, you know, I was in the computer club at school or, uh, I, you know, whatever, or, or, you know, it's like some, something that's like a grain of knowledge they learned, but honestly it would be the interview 
uh, in the way our company works because of the size we are, every, every candidate goes through HR first before yeah. I get to talk to anyone. But when I talk to someone, what I'm looking for is this, this person have a teachable attitude. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever interviewed someone for a job, but it, you, you glean that stuff just by casual conversation with people. You, you know, you, you see people who are shut down and not mm-hmm. listening and, and aren't going to take new information. And you absolutely don't want people who think they know everything already. Yeah, I I uh, I do that with my kids, honestly, because I I had uh, my daughter's moved out now, but I I at one time point in time she was playing softball for high school, and I I she was she I don't know got in a disagreement with the coach or something, and she wanted to move up to I think it was she wanted to get on the varsity team as a junior, um, if I remember correctly, but this has been a few years back, but. Um, something like that. And I said, well, that depends. Are you coachable? And she says, yes. And I said, no, you're not. And then she argued with me <laughs> instead, you know, and that, that was my point. And it's like, okay, well, if I say something that you disagree with and you're going to argue about it, then that's, that's a problem. Instead of saying, okay, well, how can I improve that? If that's what you think, or, um, why do you think that, you know, she immediately went on the defensive and argued it. And I, and I was like, well, enough said. And I walked away, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear that. That's, and that's a funny thing in, in my biggest fear in life uh, for me, for me, for me, you know, about myself is like, am I being closed minded? Do I think I know already? And I'm constantly asking myself to, to question my assumptions and, and, and I'm, of course I'm always right, but, uh, <laughs> but, but that, that's an important thing to do is, is have the humility to ask myself, why do I think this is right? Um, God, I have a quote actually up in the wall in my office that I'm, I've hardly been in the last year. <laughs> and, I'm trying, and, and I'm trying to think of what it was. It's like, it was basically about, about scientific method and, and about how, um, you know, you know uh, how to tell you, uh, God, I, would, uh, I shouldn't have brought it up because I can't remember it word for word. But it's, it's basically, it, it's, it's how to, you know, scientific method is to, is to, to help you find out if you know what you really know or something like that. Yeah. It's, Gotta, yeah, absolutely. I'll have to remember it later. Yeah, but yeah, that that that's it, and that, and it's also good for things outside of IT because hard, being hard headed is just gonna it's just gonna hold you back in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, arguing with the boss because you know more than him because you've been working there for for six months is just gonna hold you back. Yeah. Like, have the humility to accept that you're you've got to learn. So I'm teaching my daughter to drive now, and um, she was very afraid. Um, she's like, you know. Dad, are you going to yell at me? She's so afraid I'm going to yell at her, and I'm and I'm like I'm afraid you're going to yell at me. <laughs> and so and she and I said, look, I will do my best to be patient with you, but here's what you need to do: you need to understand that you're not a good driver because you've mm-hmm. never done it before. So since you're not a good driver, you're going to make mistakes, and I'm going to have to point them out to you, and you're going to have to be tough enough to take the criticism. And it's so funny. I always think this, that um, being a parent and being uh, a supervisor, you're not really supposed to say this in a, in, a, in a corporate environment that, you know, I learned how to be a boss by being a dad because they're <laughs> not the same thing. But there's things that are similar in them. Yeah. Like you, you, you have to, it's like you have to learn how to talk to your, how to talk to people and how to lead them. And that's the one thing I recognize is like you're going to need to take criticism. And in, in, in a corporate environment, it's hard to give criticism because you're thinking, man, I've got to tell this grown human, this 28-year-old man that he's messing up on the job. This is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a mm-hmm. tough thing. And, uh, and fortunately, my daughter is, is, is mature enough that I said, look, you're going to make mistakes. I have to point them out to you if you're going to learn. And you have to be willing to accept that I'm going to point out your mistakes. You're going to have to agree with me on it. And we've done pretty well with the driving lessons so far because of that. That's, yeah. I mean, setting the, the groundwork, you know, setting the, the um, preface of uh, here's the, here's the uh, uh, I guess, the rules for what's going to happen when I teach you to drive. That's awesome. Yeah. I wish we could be that way on everything. Right. <laughs> but, but it's nice. It's nice to set that. Daughter knows a lot more than me. Yeah. <laughs> She's convinced she does. Yeah, but it's nice to set that expectation, and then follow along. It doesn't lead to surprises. I'm sure that helps a lot. 
So uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Wayne, do you have any parting words of wisdom? Yeah, I, I mean, since, since, since we're talking about being a dad, I'd say um, my parting words of wisdom is, is like your children are going to derive your they're going to derive principles from your behavior and not the other way around. So you can't tell your child what's the right way to behave and expect them to soak that in. They're just going to watch you and that's how they're going to learn. And, and um, I, I thought of a thing that happened one time, uh, like last year I took my daughter out for ice cream and we were walking out of the place and uh, there was a wallet on the ground. So I picked it up. I looked at the driver's license and I'm looking around for the guy in the picture and I went into the restaurant next door and the ice cream place and really looked at every car that went by and like, he's not anywhere around. So I was like, well, now what am I going to do? So I looked at the address. I, <laughs> I drove over to the house, knocked on the door. Guy didn't even know he'd lost his wallet and I <laughs> gave it to him. And, mm. and because there's no amount, of, I tell my daughter things like, if you have the opportunity to do something that helps a person at no cost to you, always do it. Right. You can tell someone that. And that sounds like being a good person. But she probably never heard me say that to her. Right. <laughs> Even yeah. if I said it 12 times. But she saw me do that. And, and, and I could do that 10 times. But if she ever saw me just take a wallet or pull the money out and throw it back on the ground, <laughs> then it doesn't matter what I've ever told her or shown her, mm -hmm. because you also can't pick which things they're going to emulate. Yeah, absolutely. So, so so I think I think what we do, and we should, and, and certainly I became a, a slightly different. I, I think I, I always focused on honesty and all that, but um, I became a better version of myself when I became a dad, and 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 I say that with a small amount of pride and and, and a bit of humility too. Um, I used to say that about that's how I, when I got married, same thing. When I was single, I would just run around and do whatever I felt like doing at the moment. When I got married, I became part of this union. And then when I became a dad, well, I became something else. And I'm still the same personality. I still have a lot of the characteristics. But I really like myself better who I am, even though it's harder, right? That is true. There's, some, there's something to be said In about fact, that, though, because I think I changed quite a bit for the better when I became a parent, too. Yeah, husband, parent. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, back to your... Um, your kids learn from you. You know, I heard of a guy that he, uh, I think he was going either to the movie theater or he was going to the theme park and he was taking his whole family and, uh, they asked him how old his kids were. And he thought about it for a second, you know, because he could have said, my kids are under, I don't know, whatever it is, eight years old and they get in for free. Whereas, you know, they weren't under eight. So he could tell his kids, you know, don't lie, don't do this, don't do that, you know, and then when it comes down to it, you know, to save a few bucks, he could have wrecked all of that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. I, yeah, that's a great point. And I, yeah, I've had my daughter say, dad, just say I'm, I'm this old. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't like lying. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, that's not who I want to be. Yep. And I'd rather pay the four extra dollars or whatever that thing is <laughs> yeah. than, then have it in in lies follow you around i mean this is there's this thing I, I won't go into the long story but there's a thing that happened to me when i was a child that really ate at my gut about honesty that i think broke me as a child such that if i'm in a situation where so, I'm, someone's trying to give me an advantage i didn't earn it angers me it inf i've been infuriated before when someone tried to lie and give me something and i think fundamentally all humans have this, and I think my advantage is I'm aware of it. And, and I think that people who go around being dishonest or stealing or doing stuff, I, I don't know if you call it your soul or whatever, I think they know it, and it eats at them. And I, and I, think, I think it really hurts. It's called a conscience. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what it is. It's your con Yeah, and I, and I feel like being aware, like I said, this one incident when I was a child made me aware of this, and I just don't even let it get me. Um, so that, that's, by the way, I found a quote about this principle. I, I thought I'd share it with you guys. Um, cause I think you asked for quotes or should I just yeah. send it to you? Absolutely. You like to? No, go ahead. Uh, so this is by the author, James Baldwin. 
Uh, and I just found this quote, and it says, children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. That's absolutely 100% true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, thought that, I had well, to think about that for a second. Yeah. No, it's, that's good. <laughs> you know, because I, I'm a firm believer yeah. that uh, your kids, anybody's kids, will listen to s- a total stranger more than they'll actually listen to you as a parent. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's a little bit because, you, you know, you're used to listening to s- the same person over and over. You know, think about if you're over at your friend's house, you know, and your parents say, uh, I don't know, whatever, you're not staying the night or I, I don't know, whatever. But then the the friend's dad says it to you or the friend's mom says it to you. It can be much more impactful. Right. Absolutely. And then, but then, yeah, so- go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead. I, I interrupted. But then, so on the other side of that, though, if my kids do it all the time, and my wife points it out to me, and it's scary. If if I do something, they're doing it the next day. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, that's true. One hundred percent. Yeah. So um, I took my daughter. Uh, we went on a trip last summer, and we brought our daughter's best friend because. When you have one child, it's, it's just, there's not a great dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to have everyone be happy. Uh-huh. But my daughter's best friend is a great girl. She came with us, and the two girls would do everything, and me and my wife would do other stuff, and, it, and it, the trip was a lot more fun. But anyway, <laughs> I get up in the morning, and I made pancakes, and we all ate breakfast together. And then my daughter's best friend comes over, and she's helped me wash the dishes. And I'm like, well, huh, that's so nice of you. So later on, her mom was asking me how the trip was. And I said, oh, your daughter was great. She's really polite. She even helped me with the dishes. She goes, wow, I wish she'd do dishes at home. <laughs> <laughs> and I have it on good authority. My, dish, my daughter will do dishes at her friend's parents' homes, too. But yeah. it's very hard to get her to do anything at our home. <laughs> so I think this, there is an element of children listen better to other adults and behave better for you. For other parents. Well, and I think if that family, as a family, got up and they all just started doing the dishes, then the your kid being in somebody else's house is going to go. Well, I guess I better do what they're doing. Yeah. Right. So yeah. yeah. But as a family, I know for a fact if I if me and my wife get up and start doing the dishes, the kids would sit there at the dinner table and watch us <laughs> if we let them. You know. So. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Wayne. Hey, we appreciate you coming on the show. It's been great. Yeah. Appreciate your insights yeah, on been a IT. Yeah, pleasure. This was fun. Absolutely. And uh, thanks. Yep. And I'll see you next week. All right. Be sure to tell your friends about the show. 